But I, I, I always find it funny, especially today in our society, our microaggression. I need to be offended by everything society that we live in. I'm looking to be offended. How can you offend me today? What do I need to be angry about? And, you know, Jesus calls you sheep. (laughs) I just think like, you're stupid. You, You run away all the time. If I wasn't here, you'd run off a cliff every single time just that i think it's 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 uh, quite funny that the lord refers to us as as sheep that's just got to ruffle a lot of people hey welcome to whitefields community church sermon extra great to have you with us once again this week i'm here with pastor nick katie he's the pastor of whitefields community church here in longmont colorado and we are halfway through our series called jesus is as we head into the easter holiday the easter weekend resurrection sunday and uh, we're just looking at all of these aspects of who Jesus is as spoken of in, in the uh, Gospel of John. And so this is our fourth of that series, but this is our, only our first uh, sermon extra in the series. We've, we, were, we had a, a mission trip that went out to Hungary and Ukraine and, uh, during this crisis time. And so if you missed any of those, we have two mission extras that you should uh, take a look at. One, the first, just kind of giving you an update of what what we were doing there. And the second one was speaking with another one of our missionaries uh, about, you know, the placement of uh, Ukrainian refugees and also just the, you know, the increase in human trafficking uh, that has happened during this time. So definitely worth your time to watch those and a lot of just great information, things for you to pray through. And uh, we're still, you know, if there's, we're still accepting donations to that. This is not, you know, I know that these things kind of cool off in the Western media, but this is still a very hotly contested war and there's still a lot of uh, collateral damage and, and that being, of course, the, the refugee crisis. And so we're still actively involved in the church, part of a network of, of placing these people, supply going into the country, evacuations coming out and finding places for these refugees to stay. So don't uh, don't give up. Don't give up on your prayers. Don't give up on your giving. Uh, that's going to a, a certainly a worthy cause right now. We're certainly grateful for that. But so if you missed our sermon, though, Jesus is the good shepherd. We looked at John chapter 10, uh, starting there in verse 11 and um, 11 through 21. And so if you missed that sermon, whitefieldschurch.com and any of the other ones in the series that you might have missed, this is being our fourth um, whitefieldschurch.com. You can find it there, download it, or of course our YouTube channel. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe, like, hit the notifications button, you know, uh, Facebook, of course, and and then all of your favorite streaming platforms, uh, podcast platforms, Google, Apple, you know, leave a review. If you can, uh, that certainly helps, you know, uh, bump us up in, 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 in the traffic when people are, you know, asking questions about these things. Who is Jesus? And uh, we can provide them with uh, gospel-centered, Christ-centered answers to their questions. But here we come to, you know, just uh, looking at Jesus as uh, the good shepherd and, uh, you know, just kind of thinking about, you know, kind of maybe three aspects of, of what what the shepherd would do and what, what Jesus does for us. And those would be, uh, you know, we just wanted to talk about that just briefly here. The fact that he, he is our protector, the shepherd protects us, the shepherd leads us, and the shepherd disciplines us. Yeah, so two of those <clears throat> are talked about by Jesus in John chapter 10. 
The disciplining part isn't really talked about, but it is implied and talked about in um, Psalm 23, the very famous psalm about, you know, the Lord is our is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then it says, you know, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And it's interesting because the rod and the staff are essentially the same thing, right? So it's this crooked stick that they would use. And the reason it had a crook in it actually was so that you could grab the sheep <laughs> yeah. around the neck when they started to wander off or if you needed to grab them and get a hold of them. But one thing I did mention is that, you know, sheep have this tendency, this natural tendency to stray. And yet that's the worst thing they could possibly do because they're absolutely dependent on their shepherd for protection and for everything else. And so when a sheep strays, not only would a shepherd um, pursue them and bring them back, but if they continued to stray, then there were aspects of discipline that took place. You know, you sometimes read about, uh, or you sometimes see pictures depicted of a shepherd carrying the sheep over his shoulders. That wasn't because um, the shepherd, you know, just wanted to hug the sheep and, you know, like, like carrying a child on your shoulders to give him a better view or something, right? It was because that sheep, if he puts him down, this sheep's going to wander away and he's going to have to go after him. And there's a very famous book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And in that he says, you know, the only way to get a wayward sheep is you have to go and you have to like basically like corner them and then tackle them. And when you tackle them, then you tie up their legs and you'd carry them on your neck, but you really got to, like, they're not just going to like let you grab them. So he, he talks about it, that this is, you know, if that is the picture God's given us, I mean, what does that tell us about who God is and what he does? Like, especially in light of Luke chapter 15, where Jesus compares himself to the kingdom of God is like a shepherd who had a hundred sheep, 99 of them are just fine, but one is wandering off. Well, he'll leave the 99 and he'll go pursue the one. If you think about it, that's, we might use the word even reckless, right? Like if you were going to risk 99% of your property or your assets to go after one that has a tendency to wander off, you know, some people might say you're probably just better off cutting your losses, but God's heart is to say, I'm not okay with cutting my losses. I'm going to pursue that sheep and track them down. And like this shepherd says, sometimes that includes tackling them down to the ground, (laughs) tying them up, throwing them over your neck and bringing them back by force. And then having to train them through discipline over time to stop wandering off. And it's just a really important passage on this in Hebrews chapter 12, where it says, Don't despise the discipline of God because God disciplines those he loves as a father, right? A father who doesn't discipline his children isn't a good father. And a child who isn't disciplined by their father should wonder, you know, does my father even care about me? Proverbs says, you know, if a person spares the rod, meaning the rod of discipline, then they don't love their child. If you spare the rod, you hate your child, right? Like children need discipline. And in the same way as children of God, we need discipline as well. And so oftentimes God will do that in different ways in our lives. And we could talk about what that looks like. That would be an interesting discussion. What does the discipline of God look like in your life? So I'll ask you first. Well, I mean, certainly... You know, I'm sure there's times we feel like we're being tackled by God and cornered. You know, we want to go somewhere and things are just not working out. And we're just like, why is this not working out? And all this kind of things and things are not going well. And, you know, and and maybe that's just because, you know, the Lord is 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 disciplining us at that moment, you know, uh, for for his purposes that we do not 
run off a cliff. And, you know, we don't always see that in that sense. Let me just adjust this. And um, Yeah, so I'll jump in while you're adjusting <laughs> that and just say this. I think that one way it sometimes shows up is by God allowing us to experience the consequences of our actions without saving us from those consequences. And, you know, because you think about it, God can do anything, right? And you think sometimes I've, I've met people who they've done something, they've confessed to God that it was a sin, maybe they've apologized to the person they hurt, etc. And then they still have to deal with the repercussions. They might think, hey, but aren't I forgiven for this? And the answer is, of course, I mean, forgiveness and discipline are two different things, right? And so, I mean, even as parents, I think that's sometimes how we allow uh, discipline to happen in our kids' lives is that we'll say, okay, here's the border and our boundary. And if you step over this boundary, here's going to be the consequence. And when they do it, of course, we forgive them. Of course, we still love them. But you might allow them to experience some of the pain of the consequence in order to learn that lesson. And so, you know, you think about learning things the hard way, learning things the easy way. Uh, if we refuse to learn things the easy way, sometimes God will let us learn things the hard way. Doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Doesn't mean he's even being uh, punitive, right? So it's not a matter of being punitive or trying to hurt you in a negative sense. It's saying, okay, I'm going to, uh, you know, within these boundaries, I'm going to let you experience some of the pain of these consequences so that you will learn. Yeah, and and I think that's just a principle. I think the Lord follows, you know, you see in Romans 1, he, you know, Romans 1, 2, he gave them over to the, the things that they wanted. So he said, okay, fine. You want to you wanna kick against my my law and, and, and the right way? Okay, fine. I'm going to let you just do whatever you want, and the consequences of your actions are going to show you that, you know, that that was the wrong path to go. And, uh, you know, many times I tell people, yeah, you, you reap what you sow, and that's because, you know, you might have so sown a lifetime of sin and yes, you, you get saved or you repent, but those things that you sow, many times they grow up and they come back, you know, and you just live with the consequences of your actions in a sense. That's one of the very first phrases my, James, my, my oldest son now, but when he was a kid, he, there are consequences for your actions. One of his first English words, he spoke Hungarian all the time, but one of the first English phrases he used, there's consequences for your actions. And there are, and people sometimes, well, if I forgive him, why am I not, you know, why is this all not gone away? Well, because things have been sown in your life, you know, and, and sometimes we re-reap that, you know, if you, if you're, you know, cheat on your wife, well, yeah, she might forgive you, but there might have been consequences to that. There might be suddenly a baby involved or another family involved or a lot of, you know, and nowadays, you know, doing counseling, marriage counseling and things like that, premarital counseling, this very complicated, uh, you know, situations where people are coming from. And also, you know, God will redeem those consequence. So he'll let us, he'll discipline us by letting experience the, you know, consequences of our actions. And yet he brings beauty out of ashes, right? He can redeem those things. It's not just going to be bad forever. Right. Um, and you know, you see this a lot through the old Testament. I mean, there's where you really see God's loving discipline of people. You can think about it with, uh, David and Saul, right? So Saul was this king and God warned him, guys, this isn't the way to do it. This guy is, he, he, here's what's going to happen. He's going to become your king and then he's going to take your money. He's going to marry your daughters, right? <laughs> he's going to take your sons to war. It's going to be bad. And they were like, nope, this is what we want. And so God let them experience 
the difficulty of that, but he never gave up on them, right? His plan for them didn't change. And I think that that's the hope that we have, right? That um, God will use those situations to redeem them. He'll teach us through it if we're willing to learn and he'll never leave us. Yeah, no, that's, that's an amazing promise. Yeah, I love that idea. There's always, it always comes to my mind, there's always a remnant, you know, when you go through the Old Testament, there's always a remnant that God uses that idea that these always, he, he, ne- he never gives up on his people. And so when we feel like we're in the, that spot of discipline, just realize that the Lord is, has not given up on you. He's, he's preparing you for, for what he wants for your life, for the, the, the plan that he has for you. But I, I, I always find it funny, especially today in our society, our microaggression. I need to be offended by everything society that we live in. I'm looking to be offended. How can you offend me today? What do I need to be angry about? And, you know, Jesus calls you sheep. (laughs) I just think like, you're stupid. You, You run away all the time. If I wasn't here, you'd run off a cliff every single time just that i think it's 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 uh, quite funny that that lord refers to us as as sheep that's just got to ruffle a lot of people well, you know? in in hungary i remember this in hungary i had multiple people tell me that they found it offensive that the bible says that we are sheep sheep yeah i'm like I, look i don't know what to do about that because in hungarian i mean to call somebody a birka a sheep is a pretty big insult um Although it's not very nice in English either. No, so, no, yeah. no. So yeah. I just thought that's that's quite you know, especially in our society, that's just. I mean, I guess all society, we that's it's supposed to be offensive in the There's sense. There's probably not yeah. like a society out there where they're like, "Oh, sheep, well, thank you." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah that's our national animal or something yeah. like that. So, yeah. So just one last thing as we go, I just we wanted we wanted to talk a little bit about the idea of a hireling. Um, you know, he says that in verse eleven, "I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the." Sheep sheep. And then he contrasts that to he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And just the idea that, you know, now kind of transitioning from, from, from Jesus, the good shepherd as to the, to pastors who shepherd their churches or people that, uh, you know, that, that have a flock, whether it's, you know, a youth group or anything like that. And just the idea that there's a there's a difference. Jesus kind of kind of contrasts those two, and it's something that we as you know as part of the Calvary Chapel network. It's something that you know Chuck Smith, who kind of was the founder of the Ch- Calvary Chapel network, is something that he championed over the years. The, the the importance of being being a good shepherd and not a hireling. Like you're not you know oh I'm gonna get in at the youth pastor level, that's the lower rung. And then when I'm done, you know, I'm working my way up to the senior pastor thing, or it's like a a corporate idea, or, you know, once I'm done here, I'm moving on. There's no, you know, engagement with the community and those kind of things. And so maybe we just want to talk about just the contrast that Jesus brings here. Yeah. So the reason why Pastor Chuck cared so much about this passage, and he would often talk about the difference between a hireling and a good shepherd, meaning us as under shepherds, right in the spirit of of first Peter five, where Peter talks about Jesus, the chief shepherd, and then we shepherd under him. And so, uh, the reason why Chuck told that was because he had been hired as a, as a pastor of a church. And at that church, he didn't, he wasn't given any, um, ability to make decisions. He was expected to show up, 
preach good Bible studies. And that was it. And so at one point, you know, maybe you've heard the story. It's kind of part of our lore, mm-hmm. right? Is that he thought, okay, for the Sunday evening prayer meeting, he decided to move all the chairs in a circle. And he was scolded by the board afterwards. Like, hey, who told you you were allowed to do that, right? You didn't get permission to do that. You didn't ask us. And he's like, I'm the pastor, but I don't have any authority. And so he ended up quitting not long after that and ended up going and pastoring this very small church, 25 people in Costa Mesa, California, and the rest is history, right? He actually worked as a boat cleaner <laughs> uh, because the church couldn't pay him. In fact, they couldn't even pay him enough to cover between those two things. So he negotiated a thing where uh, he would be able to take his family out to a restaurant uh, once a week. That was part of his compensation in the early days of Calvary Chapel. So all that to say, um, he was willing to pastor a smaller church where he wouldn't have to be a hireling, in his opinion. A hireling is somebody who's, you know, you show up, you get a paycheck, but you have no authority and you're not really, it doesn't, you're kind of a figurehead, right? You just kind of get up there, do your thing. They pay you to speak and then you go home. He wanted to actually be invested as a shepherd over a congregation. And that's become a big part of our culture as Calvary Chapel is um, pastors who are very invested in their churches. And we, uh, you know, we have a lot of churches in our network where the pastors don't get paid anything, not because they shouldn't, but because the church can't afford it, right? And that's it's actually true if you look across the board at most churches. Most churches in the United States and around the world are small, and their pastors don't make very much money. And so um, that's been a big part of who we are is this investment, truly caring for that. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a big part of who we are. And so, you know, this is an important passage and a really a related one is in 1 Peter chapter 5, where Peter says this, he says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. And he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but as examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So, I mean, this is two sides of that, right? You know, you can become a domineering shepherd who uses their rod and their staff not to lovingly discipline and gently bring back uh, or to guard, but uses your staff to beat the sheep. Mm -hmm. We even use that phrase a lot in Calvary Mm -hmm. Chapel. Some people beat their sheep and we don't want to be those people. Uh, what, What does it look like to beat the sheep, Mike? Well, yeah, just kind of getting down on them like that you should be doing this more, you need to be doing that more. Or, you know, one of the things is that there's there's something, there's a specific person in the church that's doing something that you don't like. And then you teach a sermon to the entire church, you know, you know, because you want them to listen. And then most of the time they don't show up on that Sunday anyway. And then you've kind of beat the whole entire church for the sins of one, you know, and that that's something that happens quite often when people have that kind of mentality and not not bringing grace uh, to the situation, not bringing the gospel, but making people feel like when they leave the building that they haven't prayed enough, uh, you know, they haven't worshiped enough, they haven't, you know, given enough, they haven't, they haven't done enough where, where, you know, we know in the gospel it is finished enough, it's been done. We need to respond to that and live in that and live in the power of that. And that is so much more empowering for us. It, it enables us to go us that much more when people are not living 
you know, out of a sense of, of, of guilt, but they're living out of a sense of, of joy, you know, to serve, you know. And so that's the kind of the difference between beating your sheep and, you know. I heard, I heard somebody <laughs> say once, they said, if I don't leave church feeling really bad about myself, then I, what was even the point? And I'm like, I don't think that's good. Like, so, okay, here's what we would say. Shepherd's job, feed the sheep, uh, tend to the sheep, care for them, uh, don't beat them. And don't fleece them, encourage them, feed them, do all the, the loving yeah. stuff. And, and, you know, and protect them, you know, when the wolf comes. And that's one of the, you know, that's when you kind of see sometimes the difference when, you know, when the wolf does come to a church, when there are things that are attacking the church, what, is the, what does the pastor do? Does he stand on the side of his church and fight for them? Or does he, you know, kind of like throw them under the proverbial bus? You know? Yeah, to chase off any wolves there, Mike? Uh, we had to, yes, yes, over the years, and I kind of got the reputation of being the one who kind of spied them out. But, you know, you'd see that I stand on the stage and I, you know, over over weeks and weeks and you watch people come in and you see their behaviors. And I just, you know, I would sometimes walk off rehearsal, you know, just go and if I saw somebody bugging someone or doing the same kind of things, you know, just kind of go over there and say, hey, how you doing? You know, what's your name? You know, kind of introduce myself, you know, but over the years there have been some people who had their own agendas and we try to show grace and, and, you know, put up some perimeters and say please don't do this you know we had a woman one time she kept prophesying husbands for these women over and over she considered herself like that was her prophetic gift she was going to find you a prophesy a husband for you like this is the guy that god has said you're and we kept trying to tell her don't you can't do that you know stop you know that's not we don't even believe that's what the lord is doing you know and but you know, she wouldn't do it, and we finally had to ask her to leave. And you know, some of the, and they usually, you know, wolves go over young, go after young believers. And um, you know, you can usually tell. You know, they will find people that are new to the church, and you know, like you know, that, that new person will come. Hey, did you hear this guy? He told me his whole spiel about whatever it was, some theological, you know, sidetrack that he was on that we were not doing, or or whatever it might have been. So, yeah, I know over the course of the, you know, we've definitely come. I've come across a few wolves. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, and one of the one of the challenges is that you want to differentiate between the wolves and the goats, if you will, yeah. right? So in the God's zoo, if you will, you got your sheep, you got your goats. And then you got wolves. And so the difference between the three is that, you know, in the end, the sheep and the goats will be separated. Um, but, you know, in the meantime, sheep and goats hang out together, which is, by the way, true on farms as well. Uh, my grandfather had a ranch in Oregon and, you know, it's sheep and goats and they hang out very well together. Um, and so, you know, we, we want to invite the goats into the church so that they can hear the word of God and be transformed into sheep. So our goal isn't to chase off the goats, but it is to protect the flock, which includes the goats, mm -hmm. right? From, from the wolves who would come in to devour them, which means hurt them, take advantage of them for their own appetite, if you will. Yeah, no, I, and I think that's, that's one of the most important aspects, I think, of a pastor in a church is to protect his protect his flock that God has given to him. Because as we read in the scripture, you know, as you read that passage in Jeremiah, God was like, 
he was super heavy on those guys. Like, you have not taken care of the people that I've given you. Woe says, to you. <laughs> I'm going to take care of yeah. you. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> so I don't want to be taking care of God because yeah. I'm not taking care of his people. So yeah. I'd rather just take care of his people. And, you know, that's just an important aspect of that, you know. And that's just, I think that's something to look for when you are looking for a church is a pastor that cares for his church and cares for his community and is invested in that, you know. And, and so, um, yeah, so that's, that's Jesus is the good shepherd as we're continuing in the series. We still got three more to go as we head into Easter and we hope you join us. We're going to have a sunrise service again. We're having Good Friday service. We're having a Saturday fun day here family event as well. And then of course Sunday morning sunrise service and then three Sunday morning services coming your way. And we, we look forward to seeing you next week. Again, whitefieldschurch.com. Go over there, download the sermon if you missed it, like and subscribe and all that fun stuff. And we'll look forward to seeing you next week. God bless.